What a great, uh, great tribute to the Lord Jesus. What, uh, and sitting around the throne of heaven, we will. That's, can you imagine that? Standing there in God's presence, like, that's Emmanuel. That's him. He's right there. And uh, what, better, what better name? There's no other name, and we are to proclaim that name. So we, uh, we are in um, Luke chapter 2 today, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, and Matthew chapter 2. We're going to jump around a little bit. It's a Christmas season. I'm excited about that. Uh, we, again, we are in uh, our series right now called... Songs of Christmas, and uh, we're only doing four weeks of it. There are thousands of songs of Christmas, so we're not doing all the songs, but a few selected songs. We started last week with what? Can someone remember what that was? Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, right? We started that last week. Uh, and then this week, we're looking at the first Noel, the first Noel. Um, I've been asked at some point, maybe you're told we should probably put the lyrics in the, uh, in the bulletin. Sorry, I didn't do that this week, but we'll get that in there next week for you on a card, um, and uh, I'll make sure it's the same lyrics that I, I preach from today and that we sing later on. But uh, today is the first Noel, and, and like last week's song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, the first Noel is, is steeped in church history. Um, it is, it's another one of those oral tradition songs where, where when there was, uh, illiteracy rates were high and they, they couldn't read or they didn't have access to scriptures, they passed on the oral traditions through songs or, or uh, recitations or, or chants so that they would learn those and children would learn those. And uh, this is uh, the same as, as the first song we, we looked at, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, this is passing on the story of the advent of Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you think about the song, the first Noel, I don't know about you, I always wondered, like, what, Noel, what is Noel? You know, we have it on our lobby in, in metal letters, it says Noel, right? It was interesting looking that, that origin up and trying to, trying to research that and figure that out. I remember actually driving from Sacramento up to uh, Mount Shasta during Christmas time, and some of those silos out there to the west, I think it would be, as I'm driving up, they had Noel, N-O-E-L, across the top. And so I, that kind of sparked my interest years ago. Like, what does that mean, right? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's from Latin, and I'll probably butcher this. My daughter would not. She's great at Latin. But um, nasi, is that right? But nasi is the Latin term. And that, that term was, uh, meant to be born. So Noel is from that Latin meant to be born. Um, it's also been translated uh, the first birthday, right? Or, or a birthday. So this is like the birthday of birthdays that we're singing about. The first birthday, the first Noel is what we're talking about. The first birthday of birthdays uh, when Jesus was born. And now it's been, it's been kind of uh, used when someone says Noel, they're talking about the first Christmas. They say Christmas, okay? So, that, so if, if I was to sum it up, and I don't do a good job of summing things up, if I was to define it, it would be this. It's the first birthday of birthdays. It's Christ's birth. It's Christmas. It didn't sum it up very well, did I? It's pretty long. But that's what it is. It's the birthday of birthdays. We're singing the first Noel, the first birthday of birthdays. It's Christ's birthday. It's Christmas. And uh, this song can be traced back uh, at least 600 years from now. And, uh, and again, like these, with these Christmas carols, they're, um, they're, they're the only like, like tradition or, or oral communication or story some of them had about the biblical events, and that's what, how they recounted it during Christmas. Um, this, this carol is considered an epiphany carol. Like, aha, epiphany. I had an epiphany, right? An epiphany carol that tells about the revelation of Christ, but it tells about the revelation of Christ to the Gentiles. That, that Christ was not just the Messiah for Israel. Christ was the Messiah for all who would believe. This carol, of course, like uh, other carols throughout those hundreds of years, has 
morphed and changed a little bit due to language and, and variations on the verses and more biblical clarity, but uh, it's really stayed true to its form. But it was almost lost. In fact, Christmas carols were kind of almost lost until the early 1800s when there was a resurgence. And it was like, we found these songs that were traditional and songs that were rich in church history and rich in biblical accuracy, and they were to be sung. And, and we sing those songs so that we ca- we'd be caught with our heart and we'd leave with them. So in the early 1800s, there was a, a resurgence of Christmas carols. And if it wasn't for that resurgence and that reintroduction of these carols, carols like this or O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, may not have been sung now. So it's amazing to hold on to those, and it's important for us to hold on to those Christmas carols, those hymns, those great hymns. So today what we're going to look at is we look at this Epiphany carol, this the first Noel. It's a recounting, it's a revelation of, of the story of Christ to the Gentiles. And, and it's more than a revelation, it shows the response of those Gentiles to Christ as well. And so the song is recounting that. And it's, it's meant to be sung as a story, retelling of the story over and over. So I'm going to stop, I'll pray for us, and then I'm going to read uh, two different Christmas accounts, uh, one from the shepherds and one from the Magi out of Luke 2 and then Matthew chapter 2. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I, I thank you so much for how much you love us. God, how much you minister to us and that your grace upon grace is given to us in our deepest need. And God, as, as we are here today in this Christmas season, I, I know, at least from my own heart, and I can, I can imagine for others as well, that there feels, feels like there's a rush right now. It feels like there's a, a time of the season that's going too quickly. And, and I almost have the attitude of, yeah, yeah, it's Christmas, let's go get it over with and move on. And God, I, I don't want that at all. God, so help our hearts quiet. Humble us before you today. As we come today to worship Jesus, as to look on Christ and the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ, God in human flesh, to give himself for us. We, we want to pause. We want to ponder that. We want to reel in that. And God, that is the hope of Christmas. No Christmas party or last-minute Christmas wrapping is the hope. It's all in Jesus. The ultimate gift that was wrapped for us in swaddling cloths and placed in a manger. And he was born to die. So we thank you for that. We ask that we, as we look to your word today that you would help us to see ourselves, that you would convict us of sin and you would move us to a place of deep faith. God, deep hope and deep response with our lives. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 2, we'll begin at verse 8. If you would turn there in your Bibles, Luke 2, beginning at verse 8. And then we're going to be in Matthew 2, verse 1. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in their fields, keeping watch over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star on its rising, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they became overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is God's word. Well, today as we look to this account, this, this retelling of the story, the song, the first Noel, again, like last week, we're going to go through each verse and, uh, and, and show how it biblically illustrates the telling of the story. So, Davey, if you wouldn't mind putting verse 1 up on the screen. Uh, the first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay, keeping their sheep, on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Very familiar carol, isn't it, to us? Uh, some things we see there, uh, the, the first Noel, this is the, the angels proclaim the first Noel, the first what? Birthday of birthday, Christ's birth, Christmas. The angels heralded that to the shepherds. They said, listen, Jesus has been born. There is a birth that is worth celebrating right now. It's happening right now. And, and it was to poor shepherds, lowly shepherds. This is the the recounting, the revelation of God's gospel message, the hope of Christmas to the world, not just Israel, but to the world, to Gentiles. And and those Gentiles, why was that so important? Well, it goes on, it says, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Now, we don't see that biblically, that was a cold winter's night that was so deep. We take some liberty there, don't we? But I think about this, why was it so deep? What does that mean that it was so deep? For you and I, as people who have come to faith in Christ, before we came to faith in Christ, you think about the depth and despair and separation that was caused by our sin. There was a hopelessness and a despair. And when there's no hope, there's no joy, there's, there's, there's despair because of our sin. And that is a depth that we go to and, and we have to climb out of. And the whole world tries to reach, uh, reach for something on their own. They climb out of that pit on their own. They try to, at least, kicking and screaming. And whatever ladder or whatever means they have to get out, they can never actually get out of that pit. They're just there in deep, deep despair. It's, so the deep there is that separated and removed from God or even, even uh, not even knowing that God is available or accessible to them. So long the Jews would say, well, God is our God and, and he's not yours. 
But Jesus made all things clear that the gospel was the hope for all nations. And, and, the, and the angels proclaimed that to the shepherds, didn't they? What did the angels say? We see in Luke 2, 8 through 15, the same region, shepherds, right? These lowly shepherds, Gentiles, they were staying out in the fields, removed, right? Away from the normal things happening and keeping watch over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them. This is amazing. The angel of the Lord could have appeared to anybody. The angel of the Lord appeared to lowly shepherds and stood before them. And as the, as the angel appeared, the glory of God shone round about them, right? That's what we see in the old New, uh, New King James or King James. Right? And they were terrified. What, what is this? When the glory of God is in your presence and in the presence of people who are deeply separated from God and removed from God and, and maybe even not even accessible. God's not accessible to them. God's glory is revealed and they were afraid. But they, the angel said what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know it's deep and it's dark and you feel removed and you feel like God is inaccessible, but don't be afraid. Why? Because I proclaim to you. Look, I proclaim to you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all people. And that's, that's number one. Number one in our sermon today, as we recount the first Noel, that it is good news of great joy for all people, even the least of these. And if you're feeling like the least of these, Jesus is for you. And in fact, we really can't understand we need Jesus until we feel like the least of these. What was the news? I proclaim good news of great joy for all people. The news was this, today. That's the news, today. Not one day, you'll figure this out. Hopefully, you'll work things out, you and your shepherd friends. Hey, I know you're in a lot of despair now, but if you, if you do the right things, there might be a day we could revisit this conversation. What did the angel say to the lowly shepherds? They said, there's good news of great joy for all people, and the news is this, that today, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah the Lord. That's the good news, that today, Jesus is available today. So as we sing this song, the first Noel, uh, to, to poor shepherds, we have to put ourselves in that position of being poor shepherds. And, and, and this cold winter's night that feels deep can, cannot feel, can feel less deep because of Christ, can feel freeing and warm because Christ has been born. A Savior was born who is the Messiah, the Lord. I, I want to make this, uh, this understanding as well, and we'll see it later in the Wiseman story. Jesus was born... And he was born the Messiah, the Lord. You understand that? Like he didn't, he wasn't born and, and sometime soon he'll become the Messiah. He'll, he'll work his way towards being the Messiah. He was born the Messiah. It, it wasn't something that he had to earn. He was, he was God in the flesh, so he was our Messiah as he was born. So that's the good news today. And for some of you, maybe today you're still feeling that deepness and that darkness and that separation from God because of sin. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm hopeless. And that's why you're at a church during Christmas. I want to tell you, look, today, there's a Savior available for you. It is Christ the Lord. You'll find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. And, manger. and then suddenly it said, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven. Right? All glory goes to God for this amazing work of God. What we see in the manger, so lowly and so humble and so gentle, is a rebuke to every one of us in our strongest strength, or even in our weakest strength. Jesus outpowers us in a manger. And the glory of God is what accomplished that. And through God's glory and highest heaven, peace can be on earth to the people he favors. Who does he favor? People who come to him in repentant faith. 
who come to him and say, I, I, I was in the depth of despair, and you are my hope. You are Christ the Messiah, the Lord, and, I, and you're the Savior. So when the angels left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said, what they say? When, when we understand, see, this is the response. There's a revelation that the Messiah has been born. What is our response? And, that, and the revelation was that what? Today, there's a Messiah available. So what was the response? Let's go. He says, let's go straight to Bethlehem. They didn't say, well, that's cool. We'll mark that on our calendar and figure a time when we might get to, get to Bethlehem. I'm going on a shopping trip there in a few days. Maybe I'll check it out. Right now. Today is the day of salvation. Right now, we go straight to Bethlehem. We go straight to see what has happened that the Lord has made known to us. Today, he has been born. And however deep or dark or separated you think you are, right now is the time to run straight to the Savior. That's why we sing. Number two, as we recount the first Noel, number two is this, we recount the glory of the Son that had come. The glory of the Son that had come. Verse 2, they looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far. And to the earth it gave great light, and so it continued both day and night. Now as you look at the they who looked up, they looked up. Is, are, we sing, are we still singing about the, the shepherds now? Are we transitioning to the magi? Well, I don't know. There's not really much about a star in the shepherd's story, but there's the glory of the Lord that shone, Right? So it could be the shepherds, it could be the magi, we don't know, it's not necessarily biblically relevant there. But they saw the star, and shining in the east beyond them far, and to the earth it gave great light. And this is, this is the important part. When the light of Christ comes, when the glory of God is revealed, it gives great light. So when the angels say, look, we can then see, because the light has been turned on. And when the star appeared to the Magi, this is the last part of that verse, and so it continued both day and night. This is day and night, the Magi, what? They followed the star. They saw the star and they followed that star. And it gave light both day and night so they could follow. This is a great light and they responded to that great light. We'll see that too uh, in Matthew chapter 2. Let's go, let's go there together. Just the first two verses of this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east came and arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. How they knew was that was the Holy Spirit. Uh, they, saw, they saw a star and said, that, that means the king has been born. Again, it's interesting what they say here, right? And they're coming, they, they came to Jerusalem, they came to Herod. As they came to Herod, what did they say? They said, hey, we, we realize that someone has been born that could be king one day. Did they say that? No. What did they know? The glory of God was on earth in the form of Christ and that the Messiah was born. Just like to the shepherds that the, the angel said, hey, listen, today the Messiah has been born. It's Christ the Lord. Today. He's, he is the Messiah. He is the Savior. The same is true when, they, when the wise men came to Jerusalem. And, and what they say? They said, where is he who has been born king? Not where is he who will one day be king? Where is, where, they're like, where is the king? And when they came that far, they weren't looking just for a king, were they? This is the first Noel we're talking about. The first birthday of birthdays. Jesus' birth. They are, we're looking for the king of kings. That's who they're looking for. And, of course, we'll see the response in a minute uh, from, the, the, uh, from Herod and, and, the, and, and Israel. 
They're upset and they were worried and nervous and they didn't want that to happen. It's interesting they didn't want that to happen, is it? Like we, When the light comes and shines in the darkness and exposes us, we don't like that. And we have a, a couple of opportunities here, a couple of responses. One, we could say, the light shows my, my darkness, it shows my sin. Oh, how I need a Savior. And turn to the King of Kings. Or we can be offended that the light has exposed us and try to run from the light and, and darken our own hearts and reject anything that has to do with the light, and we push Jesus away. That's not wise. We're talking about Jesus, the King of Kings, who was born into this world and took on human flesh to die for you and for me. This is about the glory of God in the flesh. And we're looking at this in John chapter 1. We see this beautiful display of the light, you know, the star. By the song again, they looked up and saw a star shining in the east, beyond them far, and to the earth it gave great light, and so it continued both day and night. There's, there's a light aspect here. There's a glory of the sun that has come aspect of this. So John 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word. So, so who was the light? Well, the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. It says that all things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Not one thing. But later on, He's like, He who created everything from not, from nothing. That's what we're talking about, Jesus, the Word. The Word became flesh. And So who is this light? In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So who is the light? It's the Word. That, that, the Word that came to us, right? That was God and was with God and was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him. This is who the light is. What is the light? The light is life. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That's what the light is. It's, it brings life. So as the, the, shepherd, or the shepherds uh, come and see the glory of Christ in the manger, and as the, as the wise men see the star that shines brightly and leading them to the King of kings who has been born... They are looking for the one that has life and brings life. How was the light revealed? Well, there was a man sent from John, verse 6, whose name, or sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. So this is John the baptizer going through and saying, hey, listen, Jesus is coming. I'm preparing the way. The one who comes after me is greater than me. It's Jesus the Messiah. He's the one that brings life, and uh, all, that, uh, all that would believe would have life in him and through him. And he, he went on to say, John said, I'm, I'm not the light, but the one, I come to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So how was the light revealed? Verse 14 of John 1, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. How was the light revealed? God, the light, was born. He put on human flesh, humbled himself, and we've observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. They looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far into the earth. It gave great light, and so it continued both day and night. So what does this light do? We know that the light is the Word, and, and, and the light was there to bring life, and the light was revealed as the Word became flesh. But what did this light, light do? Isaiah chapter 9 gives us this answer. 2 through 6 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness, so the light dispels the darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced over, uh, before you as they rejoiced at harvest time as they rejoice when dividing spoils. There's joy, there's plenty, there's, there's fulfillment now that the light has come. 
You have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressors, just as you did on the day of Midian. What is happening? Because the light has come. It's releasing us from the burden and the yoke and slavery of sin. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. There won't be a struggle anymore because Christ will come. And it says this, a child will be born to us. Wait, wait, the light was revealed how? The word became flesh? The promise is that a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. This is the glory of God in the incarnate Christ. That Jesus, God of God, has come and put on human flesh so that he could free us that he could bring light and life to us, that he could atone for us. So as we recount, this is that, a whole recounting. Last week, we, we're longing for the Advent. We're longing for Christmas to come and, and, the, and, and the freedom we could have in Christ and, and that the Messiah was going to be there. Now we, we recount the story. We, we know that he has come. We know that he brings freedom. And we know as we recount that the star that gave great light, we must realize that Jesus is that star. He is that star, and we should follow him both day and night wherever he goes. And by his light can we have life. The promise is that a king has been born. Not not he will be a king, but he was the king when he was born, the king of kings, to bring light and life to all. As we continue recounting the first Noel, uh, number three, we go to the verse three also, but number three is this, the wise know that Christ is king. The wise know that Christ is king. What was that saying? We, wise men still seek him, right? The wise know that Christ is king. Verse 3 says, And by the light of that same star, the wise men came from country far. To seek for a king was their intent, and to follow the star wherever it went. A beautiful verse of scripture. This is the wise men now. It's full force. We know it's them, right? The light by the light of that star, three wise men came from country far to seek for a king. Was their intent and to follow the star wherever it went? I love this. It shows their intent. Their intent was what to seek for a king, to find the king. They knew the king was to be revealed, and now they're going to seek that king, and they're going to find that king. Let's go on in Matthew 2. It's you know, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of King Herod. Wise men from the east arrived saying, here's our intent. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star at the rising and we have come to worship him. These are Gentile kings coming to Jerusalem. Israel of Israel. I mean, it is, it is rich in tradition, rich in knowledge. They should know the Messiah. right? And they, they do. We'll see it in a minute. But these are Gentiles who come from the far east who, who are seeking the Messiah. They're seeking the king. They, they could probably have a king nearby them. They don't have to travel this far. But they realized something, that this was the king of kings. And they came, and their intent was these rich, I mean, for all intents and purposes, what, what do we call them, right? They're the wise men, or what? We three kings, right? And why do we think they're, they're like so rich, because of what they provide to Jesus, gold and frankincense and myrrh, right? And, and, and to travel how far? For how long? It costs a lot of money, right? So these well-to-do wise guys decide to, to risk everything. They decide to risk everything, and they decide to give everything. Why? 
because the king of kings had been born. And, and there's no one else to go to. Wise people know that Christ is king. So they come to worship him, to bow themselves down and worship him. When King, uh, as it goes on in verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he heard what? That the king of the Jews had been born. He was deeply disturbed. This is prophecy. This is what was always intended. So he assembled the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked, where's the Messiah to be born? Well, they, they know because they've studied the scriptures. And it says this in scripture. It says in Bethlehem of Judea. Because this is what is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Man, you know... It, I get it. Maybe Herod's listening to this, and you're you're a religious leader, and you're listening to this because they were, they were disturbed about the the notion that Christ the Messiah had been born. But what did the prophecy say? A ruler is going to come. I think they just checked out at that. Oh, a ruler. Oh no, we don't want a ruler. We we want to be the ruler. But do you do you see what the ruler is there to do? Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Don't don't we cling to that as a promise, as a hope that, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me, my shepherd. That's good news. They, they would likely sing that in the synagogues. They knew that about the shepherd. And so when they saw that prophecy that a ruler who is the shepherd, the good shepherd will come, what should have been their response? Woohoo! Yes! He's here! I can stop trying to do this on my own. But what was the response? Right? In, in this, it was, they were threatened. They were, they were, it was, why was it so threatening to them? Because it would take away their corrupt power. It was threatening to their corrupt power. So the question is, is that my response and is that yours? When we come face to face with Jesus, when we, we come to see the reality of who Christ is through the Scriptures, as He reveals Himself and as it is revealed in the glory of God to be the King of kings and Lord of lords, do we say, it is my every intent to give my everything, to risk my everything, to lay my everything down and to bow down and worship Him because He is the rightful ruler and He will be my good shepherd, the Savior. Is that my, I hope that's my, my hope. I hope that's my response. But if you're, like these guys who are full of themselves. Like, ah, I'm good. I've got it all going for me. I like where my life is right now. I don't want to give anything up. Then you will reject Christ. And more than that, you will plot to kill him. But don't you understand our sins have already done that? Our sins have already nailed Jesus to the cross. He did die for your sins. He was crucified. He was executed. But he willingly laid his life down so that you and I could be free from our sin. That we didn't have to hold on to our corrupt power we could lay it down like these wise men. They, they, they laid everything down. They risked everything. They laid it down so they could worship the king. Their intent was to worship him, to seek for a king and worship him. Herod then secretly summoned the wise men and said, uh, asked them the exact time the star had appeared. He wanted more info. And he sent him to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so I too can go and worship him. Was to find and seek a king to worship their, uh, Herod's intent? Not at all. His intent was to get rid of the Messiah, to wipe him off the face of the earth. 
You can read that more on your own. But they're pretending to worship. They're pretending to give their all. Jerusalem was distressed. Isn't this amazing? That, that the, the one born king of the Jews, the one prophesied about, the one foretold about in Moses through, through the, in Genesis that would come and out of the seed of the woman that was provided for God's people was there. And the people he was provided for rejected him. But the great news was this. The good news of great joy was for all people. So shepherds, they got jacked up and excited about it. Magi, they canceled everything. They sold what they could, and they brought their caravan to come, risk everything, to give everything, and to worship the king. That was their intent. Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 3 through 3 says this. Says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness will cover the earth and total darkness the peoples, but the Lord will shine over you and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. It would be wise of kings and nations to come to the light of Christ. One day they all will, but it would be wise for them in the intent of their heart to risk everything and to give everything and bow and worship the king of kings. These wise men, they were enamored by the star. They couldn't take their eyes off of it. Nothing would distract them or get in the way because they knew the Savior would come by that great light. They knew it. And they followed wherever it went, even when it meant bowing to the real king and the rightful king, the king of kings. They willingly did that. How about you and I? I hope we do. Next, number four, as we recount the first Noel, the birthday of birthdays, Christ's birth, Christmas, Next two verses, I want to go over both verse 4 and 5 here. The star drew nigh to the northwest, or Bethlehem it took its rest. And there it did both stop and stay right over the place where Jesus lay. Then entered in those wise men three, full reverently upon their knee, and offered there in his presence their gold and myrrh and frankincense. Number four is this, the king is worthy. The king is worthy. They knew it ahead of time. That's why they risked everything. They knew he was worthy. He was to be born king. They sought the worthy king, not just a king, the worthy king. So we saw in, in Matthew 2, we'll continue the story on in, in verses 9 through 11. After hearing the king, they went on their way. The king, again, what did Herod say? Hey, go find him and come back and tell me uh, that you found him, and I'll, I want to go worship him too, right? After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped over, about, above the place where the child was. So just like we saying there, when, the star, uh, sorry, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Again, you're overwhelmed with joy because you're, you know the king, the real king is there, and you're, you've humbled yourself, and you, you're ready to receive the king. You're ready to believe the king. You're ready to worship the king. And they entered the house, and then they saw the child uh, with Mary, his mother, and falling on their knees, they worshiped him. They. This is a, a child. By tradition, it's probably like a two-year-old Jesus by this time. But we see the wise men, of course, in the nativity scene with baby Jesus. Either way, these are grown men, rich and, and, and well-off, who have risked everything, right, and given everything, and they come and they've humbled themselves. They have given everything, not just physically, not just transactionally. They have humbled their heart. They have bowed their soul before the, the rightful king because he is 
worthy. They worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. This is that humility that t- takes place. We have to have that humility in our hearts as we look at Advent and we, and we talk about the first Noel, this birthday of birthdays, Christ's birth, Christmas. We have to humble ourselves and say it's all about the king. He is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be adored. He is the savior of the world. I want to read a passage. It's not in your notes. It's out of Philippians. I, I forgot to put it in there. Um, chapter 2. We should adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Who? Existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant and taking on the likeness of humanity. Doesn't that sound kind of like baby Jesus lying in a manger? It's exactly what it is. God of the universe, the God who is from forever, humbled himself and put on human flesh for you and for me. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. So you know you humbled himself. God humbled himself and put on flesh. How humiliating that must be. And then God, who had humbled himself and put on flesh, now humbled himself and became obedient to the will of the Father. And it says he became obedient to the point of what? Of death, even death on a cross. So what happened? Why, why is he worthy if, he, if he's dead? Because he was obedient? For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, Herod is going to bow before Jesus in reverent fear of God. He's not going to bow the same way the wise men are, though. The wise men came humbly, saying, This is our king. He is worthy. I am not. I am nothing. He is everything. Herod says, he is nothing. I am everything. I want him dead. Couldn't kill him because he rose from the dead. And one day, he will be judged in front of Jesus Christ and he will bow and be told to depart from me. I never knew you. That's what's at stake here. But the God of the universe has come so that we could have life. That we could humble ourselves and bow down on our knees and worship him as King of kings and Lord of lords. That we could humble ourselves. Listen, these rich Gentiles, they knew their place was to bow before the true king and offer all they could to him, especially their souls, their worship, their true worship, their true humility. As we continue count, recounting the first Noel, we look at number five. This is the final one. Number five is uh, that we proclaim that Christ offers peace through his blood. There should be a proclamation about what we know about Jesus and not just like, hey, there he is, let's worship him. No, we, when we come to him, we worship him. When we, he becomes our savior, we put our faith in him to trust him to what? To wash away our sin. To do what we could never do. To accomplish what we could never accomplish. He died the death we deserve and the place we deserve to die so that we could have life. That's why the light, the light is in the world, to give life. He was revealed as he put on flesh and as he died in our place. So verse five, or verse six says this of the song. So then let us all with one accord. What does that mean, one accord? It's not, it's not all of us getting into like a Honda Accord, like a clown car, right? In one accord, what does it mean? In you and I, in unison, together as the church, I love how Steve mentioned it, like before the throne of God, the millions or billions of saints who are singing God's praise. But let us, what, what does it mean for you and I? What's the response you and I should have? Well, it's like that of the shepherds, we'll see in a minute. But it says, let us, with all, all with one accord, sing praises to our heavenly Lord. 
He hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind bought. We go through the rest of that song, Davy. Let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord uh, that have made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind has bought. That's what we proclaim. This baby, this little baby in a manger came to put on flesh so he could die. He could die in our place. What, what was the response? We go back to the shepherds in Luke 2. Right? So they, they hurry. They, they said, let's go straight away to Jesus. That was the response. That was the proper response. And they did. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, what did they do? They proclaimed. They reported the message they were told about this child. Like, hey, this is the Messiah. He's good news, great joy for all people. He, today, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. That's the news, right? And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I, I, listen, I, I am, I'm, it's crazy to think how many people are unamazed and unimpressed with Christmas. I, I, and, and we get numb to it. It's like, oh, it's, in my, it's all over the place. It's all on ra every radio station. I, you and I, Christian, you and I, when we hear Christmas music, we should be melting. We should be using it as an opportunity to recount the story of Christ over and over so we have the right perspective as we go into this. But how, how much of a bummer is it for the rest of the world who, who sings those at a choir concert and doesn't even know what they're singing? I hope they do. I hope they can stop for a minute and pause for a minute and ponder what it is that they sing. Like Mary, when she heard the news of this, right? All, they were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. Every, the world should be amazed at Christmas, at the first Noel. The birthday of birthdays. Jesus' birth, Christmas. And Mary, she, she was treasuring up these things in her heart and she meditated on those, that we should do that. I, I've told you so many times, our house, I mean, there's a Christmas station on our Pandora and we listen to it all the time. Like all year long. The kids love it, I love it. I mean, we have playlists. It's just, it, you notice today the, the backgrounds to the slides to our songs? It's like, wait, you're like, wait, are these Christmas songs? Yes, every, every song is a Christmas song. Because every song is about Jesus. Now, some are more about his birth, right? And the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ as a baby. But every song is a Christmas song. It's all about Jesus. And we got to ponder that. So Mary treasured this up. And the shepherds then returned. So he left them and returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. We, we, are to, we are to proclaim it. We're, we're proclaiming the news we're pro, and we're praising God through the peace that he's offered. This, this sacrifice of the baby in a manger was a gift of peace for you and for me. That we could make, be made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. What, what is this message? They reported the message about the child. Good news, great joy for all people today. In the city of David, a Savior was born for you. What is it? It goes back to the prophecy when, when um, Joseph was told by the angel, she, that is Mary, will give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus. Because why? He will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine that, being told about you and your child? Like, hey, your child is going to be special, pretty unique. She's pregnant. He's going to give birth. It's Jesus. You're going to name him that. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. So when we proclaim, it's not like, hey, you should follow Jesus. He has some really good one-liners. He, he teaches a lot of really great things. That's not the, the message we're teaching. That's not the message we're proclaiming. The message we proclaim is that Christ offers peace through his blood to forgive sins. You'll name him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. 
What else did this me- the message proclaim? Well, I'm going to read a bunch of verses from 1 John, and we'll finish up with this. 1 John 3, 5. You know that he, that is Jesus, was revealed, that he might take away sins. So why had, he, why had Jesus come? To take away your sins. He was ready to forgive. He offered himself as a sacrifice. 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. What did he come to do? Destroy the works of the devil. And the devil had nothing on Jesus. Genesis 3 says he would bruise Jesus' heel, but Jesus would what? Crush his head. There would be a lethal blow against Satan. So Herod and his minions and all those who opposed Christ really could do nothing. Even when they thought they had won, when they thought they had crucified him and killed him and squashed the rebellion, what happened? It was Friday, but what? Sunday was coming. And Jesus rose victoriously, conquering death and Satan and sin once and for all. He came to destroy the works of the devil. That's that's why this baby in the manger was born. Take away your sins to come destroy the works of the devil. John, 1 John 4, uh, 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Why did he come? So that you and I could live. He died so that death could be defeated and sin could be defeated. And he rose from the death so death was really defeated and we could have life. And when we believe in him, even though we die, we will live. He came to give us life. 1 John 4.10, love consists in this, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So why did he come? Why did, what do we proclaim? What is the message we proclaim? That he came as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen, you and I have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. None of us are perfect, although we might want to claim to be. None of us are perfect. Every one of us has separated ourselves from God. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son to come and to die in your place, the death you deserve to die, to die in my place, the death I deserve to die, so that through his blood, his sacrifice, you and I could be forgiven. Because Jesus didn't die for something he had done. He died and paid for what you had done. He paid for what I had done, so that you and I could be free and clear through the atoning sacrifice of Christ Jesus. 1 John 4.14 we, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. That, that's what we proclaim. Christ the Lord has, has come. The Savior has been born to us this day. Why did he come? What do we proclaim? That the Savior has come to the world. And the message is this. That through that first birthday, the birthday of birthdays, Christ's birth, Christmas, Christ has come as God in the flesh to offer us peace and life and hope through his atoning sacrifice on the cross. And that's why we sing And that's why we recount the story of the first Noel. Amen? All right. Would you stand together as we pray and as we head into a time of worship? Father, I I thank you so much for your word and how how living and active it is. And God, as we we recount the message uh, of your word through song, God, I pray that it is deeply meaningful. That God, it's it's rooted in in the... proper context of Scripture, and God, it is always rooted in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. God, as we celebrate, as we celebrate this Christmas Advent season, as we celebrate, even today, we celebrate the first Noel, 
the first birthday of birthdays, Christ's birth, the most important birth. We celebrate Christmas, that Christ has come to us to be Savior. Help us fill our hearts with awe. God, humble us. Let us bow before the King of kings. And God, let us go boldly out proclaiming that He is the Savior, not only for us, but for the entire world. He is good news of great joy for all people. We thank you and we offer you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.